He is God. It is crucial to your personal faith that you understand and embrace the truth that Jesus Christ is fully and completely God. If you don't accept that Jesus is fully God, then you're dead in your sins and without a Savior. If Jesus was only a man, then he only died for his own sins and we would have no hope. In order to reconcile sinful people to the holy God, Jesus must be God in human flesh. The birth of Christ was his becoming flesh. The word was made flesh. He is now in the world that was made by him. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. When John states the word, we must realize that in Greek, its meaning was not only the spoken word, but the unspoken word, the word or the thought that is still in the mind. In Hebrew, it was different as the Jews referred to the word as referring to God. So John used a term here that was meaningful to both the Jews and the Gentiles. The word is distinct from the Father. He is saying, yes, Jesus is God and always has been. We need to understand what John is saying because it is the foundation of Christian faith. We must understand that Christ is God and has always been God. There are some so-called religions that say Christ was the firstborn, that he was created, that he isn't eternal. Scripture says that by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If all things have been created through him, then clearly he is not created. He is eternal. We must recognize that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Although our minds cannot completely understand or comprehend the mystery of the Trinity, Scripture is clear that the God is one God who exists in three different distinct persons. Each person is fully God, and yet he is not three gods, but one God. Remember, the Jews sought to kill Jesus because he was making himself equal to God. In response, Jesus told them, he said he didn't correct them by his sayings. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to imply I was God. No, he said that the Father has given all judgment to the Son so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. That's quite a claim to make. That's saying, yes, I am God. I am equal to the Father. Clearly, Jesus was claiming to be the Lord of hosts, the only living and true God, 
one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. When John calls Jesus the Word, he means that God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you cannot know my thoughts. I can sit up here and think all I want, but you will never know my thoughts unless I put them into words. God is spirit, and he is invisible to all of our senses. No one has seen God at any time, but Jesus asserted that he who has seen me has seen the Father. So it is only through our relationship with Jesus that we can know God personally. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, we see that God has spoke long ago to the people through the prophets, and in these last days has spoken to us through his Son. If God has spoken to us through Jesus, his word, then we had better listen and obey. John 3, 36 draws the line saying, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. To ignore God's word to us from Jesus would be a serious mistake. Jesus is the eternal God, the authoritative word of God. You see, it's not a coincidence that Satan has so strongly attacked the biblical doctrine of creation. If God created everything that exists and did it out of nothing, but by the word of his power, his creation points to his amazing power and intelligence. Satan wants us to believe in evolution. He doesn't want us to see the beauty of God's creation or of God's power. In other words, if Jesus is the creator, then he is God. And that is the fundamental lesson in all of life. In verse 4, John states, In him, meaning Jesus, of course, was life, and the life was the light of men. John uses the word life 36 times in his gospel. John uses Jesus' life to illustrate that Jesus came to earth to bring spiritual life to those who are dead in sin and spiritual light to those who live in darkness. You see, verse 4 has a dual meaning. It is pointing back to the creation, but it is also pointing ahead to the salvation that Jesus Christ brings. In verse 5, we see Jesus is the only source of true light in the scripturally dark, dead world. When we read verse 5, it states, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehend it not. This verse could also have a dual meaning, as in the creation story when God said, let there be light, and it overcame darkness. 
but I believe it is more likely referring to the birth of Christ and that he was born into the darkness. He was and is the shining light, but they didn't comprehend it. They crucified him, but he arose. He conquered the darkness. His salvation conquers the spiritual darkness in every heart that trusts in him. We need to understand what John is talking about, is that God, this is God reaching out to us. This is God reaching out to build a bridge to man. Today, we are confused by some of the world's religious systems. Tragically, some men have sought to make a religion out of Christianity and have created a lot of confusion. They try to start with an earth base and reach to God. And this is impossible. It can't be. It can't happen. It won't happen. Stop and think about the story in Genesis in the Tower of Babel. This story provides an account of displeasure of God at the efforts of men trying to overcome his creativeness as they tried to ascend to heaven or to a position like that of God. It doesn't work. We can work. We can build beautiful buildings. We can try our best to establish a relationship with God, but it doesn't work that way. We didn't earn the coming of Christ. It is only through the grace of God that we are saved. All we have to do is accept it. God originally created man into his image, and through the birth of Christ, he is seeking to restore man back to his image. Through sin, man was totally obscured from the image of God and became lost. We grope in darkness, searching for the truth and the good, but we fail. We discover that universal truth and good doesn't exist. They are all relative. If you want to see truth and good, try looking into the faces of little children as they're singing, Jesus loves me. There's where you will find truth and good. Remember, when Jesus said we are to believe like the little children? Jesus thanked the Father that he had hid the truth for the wisdom of the world in order to reveal it to the babes. And then he told us we must become like little children to discover it. Now, Christmas has come. He dwells among us. The very fact that he was born into a major manger because there was no room in the inn seemed like a perfect omen for his entire life. Still today, so many refuse to make room for him in their lives. People may bow their heads while a prayer is being offered at a Christmas dinner, but that's all you'll see them do until next year. They are too busy with their lives they are too busy taking care of what they think is important or what they want. They don't have any room for him in their hearts.
Jesus came to earth. Think about it. God dwelled among men. He ate, he slept, he walked, and he talked with them. But really, it's always been that way. God is always there for you. He is always available to you. He never walks away. We are the ones who don't have time for him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelleth among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As I stated before, this is the day we celebrate, the day after the birth of our Savior. Celebrating the birth of Christ is celebrating the greatest gift you will ever receive. He came to save you. Just accept him. This isn't the time to put him on the back burner and keep him lukewarm. Now is the time to celebrate. This is the time we should be fired up for Jesus. I ask you, did you really behold the glory of Christ this Christmas? Did you experience his grace and his truth? Have you made room for him and plan to continue forward with him? Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about something else just for a moment. <clears throat> As we see a new year coming, we pray that it will be a wonderful time for each of us and that we will have so much to look forward to. We look forward to the end of the pandemics. We look forward to having a new pastor. We look forward to reaching more people and leading them to Christ. I truly believe that the Lord led us out of darkness, that we were led out of the wilderness, and I believe that he has big plans for this church and for each one of us. But as we look forward to this new beginning, let us never, never forget our roots and where we came from. Approximately two and a half years ago, this church was formed by you. We were led by a pastor who I considered my best friend, who was an outstanding man of God, and who was, who was called home on Christmas last year. I ask that each of you join me in a silent moment of prayer, and I ask that you reflect on what Pastor Doug meant to you, to our church, and how he impacted your life, and how through his service to the Lord, so many were led to Christ. Let us never forget our roots. Please join me in a silent moment of prayer. Heavenly Father,
as we continue to celebrate the birth of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us always keep him forefront in our lives. And as we look forward to the beginning of this new year, let us always remember how you brought us here, how you led us out of the darkness, out of the wilderness, and into your glorious light. In Jesus' holy name, amen. I ask now that before you leave, hug somebody. Tell them Merry Christmas. Tell them that Christ has come. Tell them Christ is coming back. <laughs>